Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Lay Bear podcast, an audio experience designed to decode leadership and inspire action. Being a forward-thinking leader and game-changer, you've tuned in to discover pragmatic tips and hints on leadership from the very best leaders. Each episode is dedicated to sharing pragmatic stories from the field, and more importantly, real examples of what successful leaders are actually doing to deliver at pace. With so much to share, let's hand over to your host, Graham Wilson. I'm really excited and delighted to welcome today's leader. He's a young and dynamic individual working in the construction industry. He's currently part of the senior leadership team at Somfy UK and is responsible for the commercial projects channel. Throughout his career, he learned and developed several key principles which underpin his leadership style. He thrives off gaining new knowledge and creating a platform of individuals and teams to develop and succeed. So a warm welcome to Elliot Himelinski. Hello, Elliot. Hello, Graham. Thank you, first of all, for having me on the podcast today. Oh, it's great. It's good to actually have conversations with leaders out there doing it for real uh, every day, in and out. You know, silent heroes, I guess we are, aren't we, where we're working with teams and getting get results. So it's fantastic to spend some time with you. For our listeners, it'd be quite good really perhaps to start, Elliot, with perhaps a little bit about your background and your journey so far, because you've had a really interesting journey through sales and leadership. So perhaps you could tell us a little bit about your, your journey and what you've learned so far. Yeah, brilliant. Well, I'm currently uh, working at a company called Somfy. So we're a, a global leader in uh, automation for solar shading products. And my role at Somfy is uh, I head up the commercial projects division. So I'm responsible for, for leading um, our vision in, in that in that channel route to market. Um, I guess really my leadership journey probably starts way back uh, at university. And I studied a sports coaching degree. And I think that's the first time that I really got a buzz and excitement of, of being able to take some theory and apply that in practice to improve someone's performance. So, you know, whether that was looking at, at achieving a certain goal or objective and then how myself as a person could, could influence others and throughout that process I actually co-founded a, a business which opened my eyes to maybe a bit more of a corporate world and and again the opportunity there to to lead people um, to put strategy in, in place and that company never really had had the, the scalability if I'm being totally honest so I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I was actually giving a, a presentation when someone came up to me at, at the end and said, you know, what's your plans? What's your future career path? And and there I was kind of probably going, well, I, I don't really know. And the person was someone I knew. And then they said, well, have you thought about a career in sales? And sales wasn't something I'd necessarily thought about previously. Um, but they kind of said, well, look, you, you, you've given a really good presentation there, you know, based on some fundamentals, skills that I think would be really, would be really good in that environment. So lo and behold, I, I went along and, and had an interview at a company called Kony, who were a market leader in, in the elevator industry. And I started a career in, in the construction industry. So. Wow. A bit different than the sporting, sporting background. Uh, very different. Um, I mean, for me personally, it was a brilliant grounding. Um, it was a, you know, a big corporate company. I spent just over, or just under, four years there uh, in in a range of different sales and customer-focused roles. And it probably got, I probably got a bit of a bite there. And if if I'm looking back and and, and not being disrespectful to to anyone that that managed me or there in in, in that in that time, I. I probably looked at leaders within that business, Graham, and went, do you know what? I think I could do that job. I think I've had some experience and, and actually got some really good ideas that could could help push the business forward. And I think once I had that in my mind, it was always looking for me personally at where the next step was. Mm. And I've got five non-negotiable behaviours that, that I believe are really key. And I believe if I follow those myself, then uh, opportunities will come. And, and I, I'm a believer in luck. Um, and, and probably where I got that idea in my head, I, a couple of months later, I had a call um, from a company who, who were headhunting for, for a role, a company called Stanson's Group. Now, they operated in the uh, solar shading industry, so working on 
fit outs and new construction projects. Um, I'd never heard of that industry before, mm-hmm. but it was an opportunity for, for progression. So uh, I went along and, and entered the interview process and, and took the, the role there as a sales manager. So it was a really nice progression from, from being at Coney. It was going from a big global corporate to a small SME, which was really interesting for me. It was a totally different type of, of business. Um, and probably a bit of a hybrid role in a sense that I was managing the sales team and also doing some key account management. So mm. taking the experience that I'd had, but also that opportunity to, to lead a, a team of people. Um, and I spent just under three years there, uh, a fantastic experience. And I'm extremely grateful for, for the opportunity I got there. They, they, they could see I had something, um, but maybe at the time I obviously wasn't proven. So I owe a lot to, to the partners of that business for, for giving me the opportunity to, to succeed there. Um, again, going back to my non-negotiables, I worked hard uh, and that created a, an opportunity to, to move to Somfy. Um, Somfy were, were looking at, at, uh, at bringing in someone, as I mentioned, to, to head up the commercial projects channel. And I had a call to say, you know, I'd been someone who had been recommended and I went along into the interview process extremely tough process um i'd actually met the the md a few months ago and been pretty inspired by the conversations that i had with him so i was totally sold on on the vision that he was trying to achieve uh, what he was trying to look to do with the uk and, and really want to be part of that team so got offered the, the role um as i said at the start market leader in the industry so it's a fantastic move for myself personally been there just over a year now uh, loving every minute of it. It's been an interesting and, and challenging year so far. But yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I think really for everyone, it. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and obviously, I'm sure we'll probably touch on it later, but obviously some some totally changing and challenging situations that, that no one could have necessarily foreseen. Yeah, um, that's right. It's interesting that you mentioned there that your know, sport highlighted the, the leadership and team sort of journey for you. That's sort of the catalyst, wasn't it, for for actually getting results and and working in in that environment, it's, it's interesting. So many people say that that it was a sport you know, early on that that uh, really stopped, got them thinking around leadership and working in teams and developing teams. So that's quite interesting. And you also mentioned there. I'm going to ask you now. What remind me what the five non-negotiables are? What what are your? I guess these are your key principles, aren't they? That they've got to be in place for for you to to actually be successful. What are they? Yeah. It's a good, it's a good question. Um, so, so the first for me is is work ethic. Sorry, yes. um, and I think that comes back from sort of my childhood. If if I look at my parents, you know, they worked hard, they provided for for my brother and myself. And I think that that doesn't mean necessarily working hard. That that could mean working smarter. But yeah. Yeah. if you get up every day and you've got a good work ethic, that's a that's a good start. Brilliant. The second is is learning. Um, I'm a massive uh, advocate for trying to gain new knowledge. So whether that's reading, whether that's studies, listening to new podcasts, um, I think I'm relatively young in in terms of, of a leader. So I haven't had the years of experience that other people have had. So you've got to then try and seek as much knowledge and as much information. So so learning to me is massive, and I like to think that. A good day for me is I learn something new, whether that's work-related or in personal life. It's it's good by the end of the day to go. Do you know what? I've learned something new today. Um, the the third one for me, and this is a relatively new one uh, that I've I've added in, I would say, over the last couple of years, is is listening. Okay. I think that uh, maybe that comes from from my wife, um, and I have to be a better <laughs> listener. But some feedback I, you, yeah. <laughs> I think. On some self-reflection, I think a challenge that, that I've had in the past has been being a young leader. I've always felt, Graham, that I've needed to kind of stamp some authority or maybe not prove people. But if you're in a in a meeting with, with a lot of senior executives and, you know, you want to be heard, you want them to have the credibility. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's probably the reverse. I found that by listening, I, I learn a lot more. So I hit that other non-negotiable better. And I probably pick my best ideas up from from just listening and you know looking at situations analyzing hearing what people are saying and okay that's a good idea or actually maybe that's that's not what we want to be doing um so listening is a key one for me 
That's so true, isn't it? When you when you think about that listening skill, yeah, we, we never really get taught at school, do we, how to listen? We get told how to shut up and and uh, copy notes and and copy from what the teacher's doing and things like that. But we never actually get the skill, do we, of listening? And I guess from a sales background, I guess that's yeah, you know, a lot of people make that mistake in sales, don't they? they think selling is working when actually it's really about listening, isn't it? And then solving the problem for your clients. And so yeah, definitely listening is a, a key one. We can all develop that. Yeah, and, and it goes, you know, that goes right through into the team staff as well. I, I think about the best meetings that I have of probably where I do less of the talking and more of the listening, um, you, you know, and I'm sure we'll touch on it. But if you're bringing expert individuals into your business and into your team, you want them to be the prominent, you know, pe- people in, in a meeting situation. Um, so, yeah, so listening is a really interesting one, one I've had to work on and, and develop, but but yeah. certainly is a key non-negotiable i'm sure your wife can help you on that one well <laughs> yeah this is this is true um <laughs> the next one's resilience i yeah. think it's really important certainly in a you know in a sales background as well um and in general life you know things don't always go to plan it's it's tough out there as, as you would say so you've got to be resilient and you know we're not going to have everything plain sailing um you know knockbacks and and disappointment are the most important learnings I feel so you've mm. got to be resilient and you know dust yourself down and, and, and go again I think that's a really important one um, and finally the fifth one and probably Graham the most important one is is enjoyment yeah we spend you know more time at, at work than we do you know doing anything else so you've got to enjoy it I'm really fortunate at the moment in, in the job and the company that I, I love working for and really enjoy it. And for me, if if I got up one day and, and didn't have that enjoyment, there'd be something fundamentally wrong in my non-negotiables. So, yeah, really important to enjoy what you do. What a, what a great set of principles. So work ethic, so the willingness to, to work hard and and provide and you know keeping an open mind, learning, listening, resilience and enjoyment. I love those. Really, really powerful. Now, how do you how do you use those set of principles because you know we you know, a lot of people have a set of values or principles don't they but how do you do you use it like a review tool or a reflection tool or you know, how do you how do you make sure it actually happens yeah it's a good question i think i think for me that there'll be there'll be examples maybe in a day or, or a week where i can go back to those negotiables and right i've done that or or maybe i haven't done that to to mm-hmm. the way i would have wanted to do it i think I'm a big believer in, in situational based leadership, which we'll probably come on to in a bit. And I think the situations in our day to day life allow me to look back on those uh, non-negotiables. So, as I said a moment ago, if I if I got up and, and if I wasn't enjoying it, OK, well, well, why not? Am I in the wrong job or have I done something that has meant that situation wasn't enjoyable for me? Um, you know, the, the work ethic one is. I think that's that's rooted inside and and, and I reflect a lot. I, I keep little notebooks and, and will write down things that have gone well and things that haven't gone so well. Um, and I will look back on that maybe once a month uh, mm. and, and have a look, you know, and I would have written down things that I have I've learned. So my second non-negotiable has been open. I can review that. I can say, well, actually, I've learned this, this, this. Um, I think it's yeah, I think it's a constant thing you know a constant review uh, and it kind of just forms part of your day-to-day thinking and working um mm. i would probably then maybe on a more formal basis when i have my reviews with with my manager probably pull up some of those bits as well and mm. you know if, if if they turn around and say, well, you know you, you put some really hard work into this this and this okay i've clearly hit that work ethic so mm. what i'm trying to push out there is being seen by others uh, yeah yeah and, and I think I think that's important that the listening one for me is is to ask more questions as well in, you know, whether that's with my my direct reports or if I'm talking to customers to and that helps to gain the more knowledge. So, yeah, there's there's different ways around each of them, but I'm firmly believer that they're embedded into the, the day to day operation of how I would work. I love the fact that you take time to stop and reflect. I, I'm always talking about speeding up by slowing down and. 
And I guess sometimes we get so busy, can't we, on the hamster wheel that you know, we're busy delivering and getting results, but actually we forget to go back to our non-negotiables or our principles or values and go, actually, am I living my life how I want to live it? Is this, yeah? And I think getting that clarity, isn't it? And actually having on those, those non-negotiables clear in your mind, almost like makes a decision-making process, doesn't it? Where you can say, okay, well, am, I, am I working hard? You know, am I putting in the effort? If I'm not, why not? Am I learning? Yeah, am I listening? Yeah, am I building my resilience? Because resilience really is a skill, isn't it? It's a, a mindset and a skill. And you know, am I enjoying what I do? So it's a great set of questions really to ask yourself on a regular basis. You know, am I living the life how I want to live my life? Yeah, and I think you know that can you're spot on there. It it helps then as well reset. You know, I think I think I would look at my non-negotiables, and if, if I wasn't really achieving where I wanted to be, right? Do I need a break? You know, have I maybe maxed out? Am I am I going to burn out, or you know, can I alter something, or you know, and, and things obviously move on in, in in life and career, and and those non-negotiables might slightly change. I I, yeah. I think as I said, I added listening in in probably in the last year and a half. Yeah. Um, some of them I think will always stick, but you know that they might change, um, or they might we might add to them, and I think that's the beauty of it, you know. But yeah. you create that for yourself, and I would say any any leader needs to have that because I think that forms a great basis of you as the, as as a person as a starting point, which, which is really important. Mm-hmm. It's it's I always look at it a bit like a, a graphic equalizer. So it's probably probably something I don't know if you had one of those Elliot, but it's when we had uh, records, you know, when music were on both sides <laughs> for <Yes>. the final, <laughs> and you had a, you had this. Um, a record player then there was like the the amplifier and the radio and the t- the tape the tape deck and all that stuff but you had like these like graphic equalizers which were like sliders you could just up and down to actually get the sound you know the the actual sound to be absolutely perfect and, and i used to play around for ages to i, I used to think i was going to get the sound perfect but i think i think i don't know if they were ever connected to anything i don't know what it <laughs> to do at the time and i guess I guess yeah if you're clear about what your non-negotiables are or your principles then i guess it's, it is a bit of a slide on you so at one minute yeah you might be a bit of a work you know, burnout or whatever so you sort of back off on the work level or whatever and have some re- recovery or actually you realize you've not been listening properly for a little while so you ramp that one up a little bit and i guess we're constantly fine-tuning aren't we our behaviors to make sure that we're performing at the highest level it links into sport i guess and not it? We, yeah i guess yeah, in your first career in sport you, you've got to decode what you need to do in that particular sport you're playing yeah exactly and you know I, I take a lot of uh, of theory I guess and and uh, and apply that in, into into the way I, I you know lead my team I think there's a lot of uh, characteristics and comparisons that can be drawn from sport um, you know especially at the elite level where you know, these guys are at the peak of, of their performance um, yeah, and, and uh, it's a very interesting thing, I think, to take theory, not just from sport, but from other, you know, if you look at uh, people working in the NHS, for example, you know, they're working under tremendous pressure. Um, chefs in high-end kitchens, you mm. know, there, there's some real good, uh, you know, t- tangible information you can take and apply that into a situation in in sales or, you know, in operations. And it's also having the the discipline, isn't it, to actually keep those principles and those non-negotiables and keep them alive and and really hold them to mind and almost like turn into habits. Really, I, I always remember working with uh, Dave Titmus when he was the coach of the GB wheelchair basketball team, mm-hmm. and one of one of their non-negotiables they decided in the G, GB way was to um, you know not be late for the the training sessions, mm-hmm. and everyone had bought into it. And the very next training session, the star player turned up late with no excuse. <laughs> so, <laughs> And they had to drop the drop the star player, and you know you had to hold you know hold and be disciplined to, yeah you, know, you don't really want to drop your star player, but that's what we agreed. They were non-negotiable, so we got to stick by it. And it took him, I think, a couple of years to get back in the team because the team started to actually play better without the star player in, which I thought was quite fascinating. So you're right, yeah, you, you've got to have these non-negotiables, haven't you? But you've got to actually make sure you live them. Yes, yeah, definitely. I I, I think that. You know, and I love theory. I'm a, I'm a big believer in absorbing that information, but I'm also very realistic in a sense of, for for me, there's no point in having yeah five non-negotiables if I don't actually carry them out. And mm-hmm. yeah, same with the team. There's no point in having a, you know, non-negotiables for your team or or a code of ethics that you want to work and just you know doing it for the sake of it because that actually probably is more detrimental than than doing the process in the first place. Definitely. Um, 
You mentioned there, talk about teams, you mentioned there around, you know, looking at leadership from a situational point of view, which is which is fantastic, because I, I definitely believe it's it's contextual, isn't it? You know, depending on the situation you're in, depending on what style of leadership you need to, to use. How, you know, you're in a you know, fairly new role, you've been there a little while now, but you've obviously, you know, come into the, the role and, and you had to build a team. What, what do you actually do to, you know, what's the step-by-step process you use to build a team? Yeah, it's a good, very, very good question. I, I've been... I've been really fortunate in this role, Graham, that I've been able to to build pretty much the team from scratch. Mm. So that has allowed me to to probably look at things slightly differently and get the right balance and, and mix. So the first thing I look at is 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 myself, and and I'm not the fountain of all knowledge. Um, you know, in in fact, it's really important to surround yourself with with experts. So mm. that's my first look. Is right or what what do I need? What what sort of pieces of the puzzle do I need? And then right, let's go and try and get experts in those fields. Um, so that's the starting point for me. I think then it's it's about it's about the right balance. So it's having people that complement each other. I think that's really important. Mm. Difference. I think diversity is key. Um, you maybe hear the term. I think well, I want my people mm-hmm. and. I totally disagree with that. I think that, okay, you're going to lend towards people that you have some common ground with, mm. but it's equally important to to look at, right, well, what pieces of that puzzle do I need? Now, I'm not going to get two pieces that, that clash just because they both get on with myself and they can talk about sport, for mm. example. Um, so that's really important. It's getting the right person for that role. I think for me as a leader, as I said, it's about adding that value and that experience so you know where do we need where do we need to go and what do we need I think then into the actual interview process it's for me it's got to be a two-way uh, process and I think that's really key mm. often actually when when I interview uh, candidates it's flipping it on its head um, and actually allowing them to interview me because it's really important that they're joining the business that they want to join and that they understand that the role is what they're expecting and also that they can buy into I guess what I'm trying to achieve as as a leader Mm. Um, you know traditional model employee you know leads the interview and and maybe then the person being interviewed doesn't actually walk away having all the questions answered that that they want and Mm. then you get down the path of maybe bringing in in wrong people Mm. Um, so I think that's a I think that's a big one I think that there's I guess then what also I'm looking for is is people that that will fit into into the way that we or I say we as a as a business want to mm. you know want to have the team formed if if that makes sense yeah. so you know there 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 are key I guess characteristics that that I think are important and that I would look for in in an individual um, and that team ethos and being part of something I think is is really important. Mm. I guess that links to your non-negotiables, isn't it, really? Because they're personal, personal things. They're going to bleed through, aren't they, in terms of what you want from other individuals in your team? You're balanced against diversity and different thinking and you know, different views on the world. But you still yeah. you want people to work hard, don't you, to, to learn, to listen, to be resilient and, and enjoy what they're doing? Yeah, it, it, exactly. And I think that that, you know, that then stems into would be maybe a wider set of negotiables that we would set up as a team because... Yeah. I've got to be open to the fact that, okay, those five non-negotiables that I have are are important, but equally someone's five might be slightly different. And then it's about coordinating them and bringing those together. How how Um, do you do that? How do you, because that's something that we talk about, the importance of understanding the team purpose and then agreeing your team principles. And I love the uh, the book, was it James Kerr with uh, the All Blacks and the Legacy where he talks about the 15 All Black uh, principles. Yeah, there's that New Zealand culture, isn't it, around humility and one of the principles is sweep the shed. I think it's number one, isn't it? Sweep the shed, which which I, I think is fantastic because that's about you might be the best player in the world, but you're still clean the dressing room afterwards. And I think that's great, isn't it? To you know, have a set of principles that drive the right behaviour. And I guess that's what we're trying to do, isn't it, as team leaders? We're we're trying to set the the clarity, aren't we, around direction, the goals, but also how we want to work together. So how how do you get the team together and, and sit down and agree? You know, your what 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 call your code of ethics or your 
playbook or your team canvas or whatever you want to call it how would you how would you do that i think i think the first thing is is the overall culture in the business has to be correct yeah and i guess as a leader joining a new business that was really important to me and where i am now we've got a fantastic culture and that comes from from our md and that's pushed down throughout the business i think that's really important starting point so have we got a good culture in the business yes now how do we put that into our own team now I kind of look at it and, and in two different ways. So first of all, you've got the personal side, which is so important. So how I would try and do that is, is get to the stage where we're having quite an open conversation as, as a team, as a group of people. What are, what are the non-negotiables of each individual in the team? Mm. So, you know, we have a list then, um, because as I said earlier, mine's going to be slightly different to, yeah. to someone in the team. The next and I think really important thing as well is, is what are those person's individual drivers? Mm. So why do they come to work? Is it because they want to be the best salesperson in the industry? Do they want to have security for their family? Um, and you collaborate and bring together all those ideas because I feel then if, if, if I know what drives each individual in my team, but also really importantly, if, if they know what drives each other, you then begin to build I believe that code of what we should do as a, as a team. Um, so I think that piece is really important. Mm. That can be difficult. That can be challenging because you are asking individuals to be quite open, to be quite yeah. honest. Um, for me, that comes back to well, that that relationship, aren't you? That trust in in the first place to get people to be really open and honest. You you have and and that that's the key word, the trust. Mm. I would like to think that. You know, by bringing the, the, the you'd bring that type of person in in uh, starting point. Now there'll be different levels within that. So a good example of that is is that for one person in the team might feel really comfortable at, at coming to you and saying, "Look, I'm really struggling at the moment because I've got X, Y, and Z issue at home." And for me as a leader, that's brilliant because then you can adapt to that situation, support that individual. So. You know that might be giving them some time off that might be protecting them in certain situations or or actually giving them more responsibility yeah. and another member in the team might be comfortable to come and say look i'm just struggling a bit at home but they leave it at that because mm. they don't to give anything more now that's fine the fact that the person's come to to you is 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 the key in that so there is different levels of of what people will give over i think doing that exercise um you know about getting these non-negotiables the questioning is really important yeah. so as a leader if you feel that you want know, to come to work so i want to be successful okay well what does success look like to you is that mm. you know is that promotion in the next two years is that you know gaining commission and really finding the drivers yeah. so i think that's important so, so you understand everyone in the team understands you know what why they're coming to work and what they're looking to achieve the second then part of that is is our strategy so yeah. how does that how do we how do we get to where we want to get to um and i think obviously a lot of that can be predefined by you know yeah. what we're trying to achieve as, as a business but it's then merging for me it's then merging the two to get to a position where we have a list of, of non-negotiables and, and that really drives a commitment culture. And I, I absolutely love that term. Um, and there's a term out there called cult, cultural architects. And I really yeah. like it. Yeah. I, and I think if you can get to that, that level where there is a commitment culture within the team, then you're, you're onto an absolute winner because you'll have then a list of, of non-negotiable behaviors or a code of what mm. we want to achieve. So it might be, as, as you said, uh, we turn up on time. Mm. Um, we're open to feedback. Mm. You know, it's every idea is a good idea. And I also think from a leader's perspective, that's a great tool to have if, well, for a number of different situations. So let's say there's some underperforming in the team. Now, mm let's be perfectly honest, that's a tricky conversation. No one really wants to be having those conversations, but you can always bring everything back to that set of uh, guidance, that set of, uh, you know, of, of structure that you put in together as a team. And mm -hmm. it's not you as a leader saying, these are the 20 non-negotiable behaviours that we're going to have as a team. That was 
our commitment culture as a team. So it's not just me that is being affected by it, but actually all the other guys in the team are being let down because mm. that's not being done or, you know, we committed to that as a, as a team. And in terms of how you piece that together, for me, it's got to be a written document. I think yeah. that's really important. People sign the document as well. Um, it might sound like quite a simple and, and basic thing, but, you know, physically putting your signature to it, you know, you are committing to it. Um, and then I think a constant review. It doesn't necessarily have to be a formal review, mm. but me as a leader would look and say, right, I would then, when I give feedback, try and incorporate something that's based on on, on those principles. I love it. I love that. So if I, if I had to summarise that, what, what you're saying really is that you've got to make sure the team understand the culture of the organisation at a starting point, understand why we do what we're doing as a team. And then you spend quite a bit of time you know, looking at individual drivers and non-negotiables to understand you know, who we are as a, as a team. I guess that, that will build a trust, won't it, I guess. And then really you, you talked about getting to strategy then, wasn't it? which is the, the what and the how, really, isn't it? You know, what is it we need to achieve and how we're going to get from A to B? And yeah. then writing all that up as a as a team code uh, which is then signed and then you've got that then document haven't you to then you know, use in a informal reviewing continuous improvement sort of type approach and it's so you've created the team and then you're sustaining performance through effective reviewing i love mm-hmm. it i love that approach and how how have you found that in terms of getting the speed yeah, the team up to speed really really quickly is is that really you know accelerated that that high performance sort of goal or aiming for yeah, I think I mean to be perfectly honest, this year's been been different yeah. and 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 challenging, and and it's probably where I am now is this uh, what I've just described is probably something that's really going to come into impact for us next year. If I'm being being totally honest, um, I think I mentioned about situational leadership earlier. I think if there's ever been a year that has has needed that, it's been this year. Um, you know, with, with with the pandemic and, and the changes that that's that's brought yeah. everyone. Yeah. Um, that's really about empathy, isn't it, really? And, and understanding where each individual in the team is and, and supporting them and guiding them and, and coaching them. And it's 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 tough. It's a tough situation, that uncertainty, isn't it, really, in terms of what, what's going to be the long-term impact? Yeah, it is. And it it it, it really has honed in, I guess, on, on my beliefs. If yeah, I'm a believer that a good leader can can react to, to a situation. So they can use different tools and different ways of operating dependent on the situation. Mm. A great leader can do that, but they can also take into consideration the person, um, either the group of people or, or more importantly, the individual. And, and the pandemic's a great example of that. If we look at uh, sales teams who would have gone on to furlough, for example, a, a new term that people didn't really know anything about and they're coming back to work now as a leader you've you've got that situation where you know the markets are changing the way that you're operating as a business is going to change so you've got to react to that and you've got to be situational based in in how you approach that mm. but then looking at the people you've really got to consider what the individuals have gone through over that period of time that they're off now mm. it could be that one of your team uh their partner might have lost their job so they're going to be worried potentially about, about finances. So you, you perfect word you use was, was the empathy. Then you've got mm. to, the way you would deliver the message to that person would be slightly different potentially to someone else in the team. Absolutely. Um, and that for me is, is really important. If you, if you can get to that level with, with mm. your, you know, with your team and with those individuals, you, you're definitely doing something right. I, I think it's, it's helped me personally in the way that I've delivered messages in the past by having that understanding and that relationship with the, with the people. I think you're right, Elliot. I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head there around the leadership in today's world, which is around adaptability. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it's really understanding who you are as a, as a personal leader, you know, why you do what you do, what you do and how you do it. But then uh, crafting, you know, crafting solutions. And I think you, know, you have to design it, you have to the text you're in, the situation we're in, and then craft a solution based on the tools you've got. So it's almost like you mentioned having a set of tools. So mm-hmm. having a, like a talk, isn't it? And I guess a, a master craftsperson is going to look at what they need to build and then select the tools. It's a bit like in um, in catering, isn't it? In, in chefs, the, is it maison play where they they um, mm-hmm. or maison play, I think it's called. Or I'm not a French speaker, so you might put me up on that. But uh, 
they actually get everything ready before they actually deliver it, before they cook. So it's getting everything in order and, and right place, the right tools. And I guess that's what you're saying in today's world, isn't it? As a leader, you you need to have a, a, a good toolkit to be able to be adaptable. Yes, spot on. And just to try and provide some, some context on that, I guess, you know, the the, the recent situation has, has, has been, I guess, such a good example to, yeah. to share that where I've had a sales team who have gone on furlough. Now, that situation I can't control. I can't control what's what's happening out there. So what do I have? What tool do I have? Well, the way I saw it is we knew when when the, the team would come back off furlough. So the tool that I've got there is time. Mm. So in that time, I can do the market research, see where the trends are, how can we diversify our strategy and put plans in place. So the minute that the team walk back through the door, right, this is how we're going to deliver it. Now, mm. that wouldn't probably be my normal style. I would probably more lean towards, right, our strategy top line is, is, is X. Let's have an open discussion about how we can do it. Let's get that commitment. Um, you get the real buy-in from the people. Mm. But the situation of, of the pandemic didn't lend to that. And going back down deeper into the individuals then, it would be, well, are they coming back worried? You know, mm. uh, it's, it, it could be, it, it's quite a, an anxious time for certain people. So as a leader, you need to be a bit more decisive. Um, you need to offer some kind of, stability and some kind of do you know what look there's a lot going out outside it's a massive storm but we're going to control it what we can do here and now and you almost i think then give that you almost relax the people coming back in because yeah. yeah. you know you've made those decisive decisions by using the, the tool that mm. you had at the time it's a great point now, isn't it around you know, one of our roles as a leader is to you know, create this high performance environment where people can really perform at the highest level and you've got to make it safe for them. Yes. So, yeah, people talk about you know, the psychological contract and all that stuff. Or, uh, for me, it's around, you know, how do I create an environment where people feel safe? And you know, one of the, my colleagues, Phil Davis, was he was coaching uh, Namibia uh, in the rugby uh, team. And uh, when he first took over, he noticed that all the execs would have long-term contracts, but none of the players had contracts. So one of the first things he did before we implemented his strategy to, to, get, you know, to get to a world-class level was to put contracts in place, which which made the players feel safe for the next four years. So we're going to the World Cup in, in four years' time. Let's make it safe for you. So they were then prepared to put the time and effort in to be able to develop. And I think you know, what you described there as a leader is exactly what we need to do, isn't it? Let's get together and understand what we're in control of. Let's not even worry about the things we're not in control of, but let's focus on the controllables and, and make it safe for each other. Yeah, exactly. And that word, I mean, I love that word. It's, it's, a, it's a lovely, lovely word, safe, because, you know, you want that environment, you, you want to create that environment. I, I couldn't see why a leader wouldn't. Um, yeah. And another thing that that, for me, that that leads on to is you want to, you want an environment where people feel that they can challenge. Mm. And, and that's across the board. You know, I, I want to be challenged because that betters myself as a person, but I certainly don't have all the answers. And you know, I love it with my team when they come and say, actually, do you know what? Have we thought about doing it this way? Because mm -hmm. I've done it previously in my other role like this and it worked really well. And you can go, do you know, that's a great idea. Let's do that. But you've got to have that safe environment for people to, to do that and to also allow people to make mistakes. It's um, interesting that you, you mentioned that because obviously you come through a sales background. And, and I can remember many years ago, the the standard practice was you, you get rid of, I think it was Jack Welsh that started it, where you get rid of the bottom 10%. <laughs> it's like, why would you do that? It's almost like you're creating the opposite, aren't you? Where you're creating this this sort of um, driven behavior where you reward the top people, but you know 10% of the team know they're going to get sacked at the end of the year. Like, why would you do that? You know, it's going to put so much pressure, isn't it, onto them? And they're not going to operate at the highest level. So uh, I think it's quite fascinating. I think there's better ways to actually manage performance than, than the old ways. And, and what you talked about there is exactly the way to go forward, which is to be adult about it, isn't it? And sit down and say, well, how are we going to support each other and how are we going to make it safe? Yeah, no, exactly. So in terms of you know, your leadership approach, you know, have you, because you said you mentioned their theory and, and you like to apply theory, that's the key thing, isn't it? It's theory helps you to understand uh, but then you have to connect with it, don't you, and apply it in a way that works for you. Have you decoded leadership in your mind in terms of what a great leader looks like? That's a, that's a fantastic <laughs> question. I, I think 
I mean, as I mentioned, I'm, you know, I'm a big believer on, you know, on, on situational leadership and, and that lends, I guess, into different forms. So, you know, it could be that you're going to support or you're going to coach, direct, you know, delegate. There's a, there's a lovely sort of graph and that looks at then people on different levels of the continuum as well. Mm. Um, I think it's about, I think it's about having the tools, yeah, based on that situation and being able to to dip in and use, you know, a different style in a given situation. I think that's the key. If someone had to ask me, you know, what does a good leader look like? I would say they have the ability to 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 pick a style based on that situation. Um, I don't think that you can be rigid in in your approach. Um, you know, if you're very autocratic, for example, you know that's not going to work because the situation doesn't lend it have i decoded it probably not will i ever decode it might be it might be another question yeah, um, absolutely but uh, the reason why i asked it because i i got i mean you know i've, I've taught leadership for yes. what 28 years now and i got challenged to about oh, about six years ago now i think it was by a ceo of a business worker and he said yeah give me leadership on a page and even though I've been teaching it for many, many years, I actually sort of struggle with the answer because there's so much and there's so much you could talk about in terms of leadership. And it, it was almost like the catalyst from a books really to be able to decode it down to I've got it down to 10 things now. And obviously that's going to evolve and change because it is contextual and there are different things happening in the world, aren't they, that's going to yeah, change that. But at the, at the moment, it's down to 10 things. But so I think it's quite a good discipline because, yeah, you've you've decoded haven't you, what your your um, sort of key non-negotiables are your principles you've decoded that and I guess one of the things in in a in a messy world or foggy world we're in now trying to make sense of things is is a key attribute for a leader isn't it is to be able to decode things so you know from a, a personal point of view or from a, a team point of view you know, what is it we need to do as a team let's keep it really simple and clear and what is it that we need to do as leaders or what does our what is our sales approach if you're running sales team you know what is our sales approach and you know, what's the structure we need to have in place and you know, what are the, the mindsets we need to have and, and what are some of the skills and if we can decode things and make it really simple for people then particularly in today's world where it is very complex and, and ambiguous then it really helps. Yeah I, th- I think for me as well the uh, and this maybe lends back in, into to sort of sport for me as well is is looking at that reflective practice I'm, I'm a big believer of you know of reviewing and I think that helps your leadership it helps your style and it helps the what you know okay could i have done something different there or should i have delegated better or should i be more directive and, and actually challenging yourself I, th- I think that's a really uh it's a good thing to do i think a lot of not a lot of people but i think some people go well this is the way i'm doing it i've been successful i'll carry on and mm-hmm. actually i want to i want to know my strong areas even more so because you know, then you can write, you know, that works in that situation. And I know I can adopt that again. And when you challenge yourself and you reflect, you do some really good thinking about yourself and about the way you lead, which I think is is key in in developing and moving forward. Um, you know, and I would encourage anyone to to spend time reflecting. Um, that might be on a on a meeting that you've had. That might be on a, on a situation that's that's occurred. And I link that very closely back in Graham with training. I'm a big advocate for for training for 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 everybody, uh, whether that's from a leadership perspective or whether that's looking at your sales team or your ops team, is is reviewing practice and, and reviewing performance. It's a whole action learning piece. I know in the military we used to have a after action reviews where you do something uh, and then you'd afterwards you you'd reflect on it. And I think. You sort of you might learn the theory beforehand and then put it into practice, but the real learning happens after the event. I think that reflective practice is often is what I'm missing in organisations. We just get too busy, don't we? We just forget about all that stuff. And okay, that's happened. Crack on next project, <laughs> and we we don't actually pull out and draw out the learning. Yeah, and you know, there's there's. I mean, I would I like to think that the way I think is maybe uh, quite innovative and yeah, a good example and, and something that that I, I, I do or have done in the past is you now record conversations Obviously, mm. you have to get the person's permission before but yeah. I want to listen back to the to the way that my messaging comes across do I use the right emotive language uh, was was my tone correct could mm. I have been softer could I've been firmer now doing things like that or a, a massive one that I'm a I've always thought that there's a 
an open opportunity. And if, if, if you if you look at sport and you look at elite sports people, they'll if it's a footballer, for example, they spend the whole week preparing for, for that Saturday game. And they'll get themselves in a position where they'll leave everything on the field after the 90 minutes. Mm. And after that game, they'll go back and they'll review. They'll look at the strong things, the things that went well, and they'll look at the areas for improvement. Now, we do prepare in sales. Of course we do. We prepare for meetings or pitches. But do we really prepare to the level that we could? You know, elite sportsmen are elite in their, in their uh, discipline, their sector. And there's elite salespeople in, in, in sales across the world. Now, why not look at your performance? Why not uh, preempt some of the situations that might occur? Um, create an environment in a training facility that's a safe environment where you can video that, for example. So the executive is, is being thrown all the challenging questions that you'll get in that pitch or you're in that meeting. And you're really looking at, at preventing the stumbling blocks of course, of course, there's going to be things that change in the meeting. But if there's eight out of 10 things that, that could be thrown up and you can capture eight before the event, then your margin for error is a lot smaller. Um, and I just don't think necessarily that that's really taken on yet to the level it could be in, in a business. Um, you know, and it's small tweaks. If you recorded a conversation that you were set up, you know, a pitch, you're looking at body language. OK, well. You sat there with your arms closed. Well, that's my natural pose. Now that could be perceived as um, as shutting off, or it could be perceived as arrogant. Whatever you can make small changes to that individual, so that when they physically go and deliver, um, you know, the presentation or the pitch, the equivalent of the Saturday three o'clock game, you know, they are at their elite position. You're so right there. It's, it, I always think it's the difference between knowledge and ability. I think. We spend a lot of time, don't we, checking people have got the knowledge or the right information or I hate that word deck, but yeah, is your deck ready for your pitch sort of thing? You know, <laughs> I didn't know what a deck was years ago. I never heard of it. But uh, yeah, people like to do use PowerPoint or, you know, um, slides don't need to, to pitch things, which is probably not the best way in, in all cases. But we don't do the ability checking, don't we? You know, a lot of people will create the knowledge, create a plan, and then their first rehearsal, if you like, is live. And yeah, you, know, you wouldn't do that in sport, would you? Or you wouldn't do that certainly in the military. You, know, you would check people can actually operate at a certain standard before you went to war. Uh, and I guess you're right in business. We don't spend enough time practicing, do we? I know it's probably harder, and we haven't got all week to practice. But maybe we should and see see that practice as as part of uh, our work, not just the the one-off outcome. Yeah, and you know you're right. It's it's and someone might be listening and thinking, yeah, but that sounds ideal. And of course, professional sports people have all day to practice. And I, I get that. I think that there's still a, you know, what what's riding on 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 that that pitch that you you might do. You know, it's it could be a huge deal. It could be getting you so much closer to to one of the outcomes in your strategy. Um, so, so I think that's vitally important. And, and you shared loads and loads of ideas earlier, so it's been really fantastic you know, discussing leadership and your thoughts of it and ideas. And I'm sure when you when you listen to the recording again and you, you pull out all the ideas, it, there'll, there'll be a lot of information there. One last question for you. How, how would you like to be remembered as a leader? How would you like other people to, I probably remember is probably the wrong word, but how would you like people to describe you as a leader? That's a fantastic question again. I think, I think for me, I think that for me, success is important. So I would want people to to see me as a, as a successful leader. Um, how do you quantify that is another question. Yeah. But I think a fair a fair leader would be good. Yeah. If an individual that I've I've led could look back and reflect on the experience and say. He challenged me. Um, he made me a better person, and I enjoyed being part of his team. I think those three things for me. If I had that feedback, um, that I would be happy with that. I would be, you know, content that 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 is what people thought of the way that I I led them. Um, well, that that almost like links back to your your five non-negotiables, doesn't it? Really, which is fantastic. You know, you know the work ethic and the, you know getting better and developing and learning and and actually enjoying what you actually do. Yeah, yeah and, and then I guess the other part, and I probably just touched on it, that the success part is 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 being able to take a strategy, um, you know, and and get the results from that. I think 
yeah, we spent a lot of time talking on on the personal side, and that is so important. You know, the people are the yeah. best asset to any business. But I think you know, wind the clock forward sort of 30 years for me, and and well maybe 35 years for retirement. <laughs> um, and you know, I would like people to have thought, you know, he's been able to deliver that. He's been able to deliver strategy that has improved the business line or the business. And I think that's that's important to me as well. Absolutely, getting getting stuff done, getting great stuff done, is, yeah. and enjoying it at the same time, and and doing that through people, fantastic. How do uh, how do people best find out what you're doing next and get in contact with you? I guess I could put all your details in the in the notes, can't I? In terms of LinkedIn, is yeah, that the best way? LinkedIn's the best way to, yeah. to find me if they can if they can spell my surname <laughs> really well. Um, but but I can be contacted there. I think there's some my work contact details is there. So I'm happy for. For people to reach out to to discuss, um, yeah, whether that's people who who like some of the ideas, want to challenge some of the ideas, or just have a general chat about leadership, it's uh, it would be fantastic. That's fantastic. It's uh, a big thank you for me. It's been really insightful and, and it's really really great. Yeah, listening to your journey, but also, yeah, you are decoding what you should do, and I, I love this whole concept of reflective practice and continually improving what you do. So you're. Uh, a true leader who's living their non-negotiables, which is great to see. So a big thank you from me. Brilliant. Thank you so much for having me on. As, as I said at the start, it's, it's an honour to be on. I've, I've gained some really good inspiration from previous episodes. So, yeah, it's brilliant to be part of the, the podcast and hopefully to, to give some wisdom to other people out there. Fantastic. Thanks, Elliot. You're a star. A big thank you for listening to the Leadership Lay Bear podcast with me, Graham Wilson. For more information on our guest leader and to find out how we can support you, check out the links in the description and look out for our next Leadership podcast. Remember, Leadership is all about taking action. Make sure you connect and apply the lessons learned. Have fun and bye for now.